Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, Budgeteers. Coach Nino Villa here, and alongside me, my partner on the airways, as always, it's Sarah Jones. Hi, Sarah. How are you, and where are you? <laughs> hello, hello, hello to everyone. Um, are you guys getting tired of me saying I'm still in Arizona? Like, this whole full-time RV life, and I've been in Arizona, it seems like, forever. So trust me, folks. We're going to be on the move. We've just been in Arizona for a while. so. Yes, you've got some adventures coming up. <clears throat> Excuse me. You have some adventures coming up. I'm uh, excited to hear about them in upcoming mm -hmm. episodes. Um, but today, instead of focusing on us so much. I wanted to focus on our clients. Mm -hmm. Today, I think we have a really special episode in store for our listeners. Today, we want to share client stories. Um, I know, Sarah, you've um, worked with a wide range of uh, couples and individuals, as I, have I. And one of the things that I kind of contend after all these years of, of coaching different people is I have this contention that it doesn't really matter whether you make $10,000 a year or $100,000 a year, that those who manage their money well always feel like they have enough, and those who don't manage their money well always feel like they're broke. And I've, I've found that to be true, working specifically with clients. So we wanted to share some of those client stories with you guys today um, to kind of show you this wide range of the types of people we work with what makes somebody successful when working with us? What continues to be a struggle? Those types of things, because I think it'll be really relatable. Mm, I love this. And, you know, uh, when I started kind of our, I don't know when to say that we actually started our financial journey, I'll be real honest, but it felt kind of lonely. And, and I definitely lived within the mindset of, oh, if we just made a little bit more, like if we just made a little bit more, things would be easier and, you know, we wouldn't be in this much trouble. And, and what I've come to learn is that wasn't necessarily the case that while earning more can help get on, you know, to, to reach those goals a little bit quicker, but it doesn't necessarily bring any more safety or, um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily help us if we don't have the right mindsets and the right skills and um, processes to begin with. So I love that we're talking about this um, because I think it's going to help a lot of people see that it, it's not necessarily, again, how much you make. It's really how you manage the money that you do have. That's right. I think uh, Biggie Small said it best when he said, "No money, mo problems." <laughs> oh, a little Biggie! I love it. <laughs> right, and we did an episode called "Mo Mo Money, Mo Mo Problems," um, because to your point, it doesn't really matter how much you make it. It is tr mm -hmm. truly how you manage uh, the resources you do have. So, I want to start off on that very note by talking about a client I worked with uh, a number of years ago. And by far, she was the most disciplined client I've ever had. And she just so happened to probably be one of the lowest income earning clients I had ever had. So I was working with this young lady who um, 
at the time that we met, she was probably in her early 30s. So she had graduated with an undergraduate degree. She she had aspirations of going and completing a master's degree. But at the time that I met her, uh, she was working for just a little over minimum wage. So maybe she was making about $12 an hour. Essentially, she was making $25,000 a year. Now, as a single woman, that is not necessarily the poverty line because the poverty line, according to the federal government, is much less than that. But I think most of our listeners, I think anybody you talk to, if if you told them that, you know, you only make $25,000 a year, you know, they, they would think, oh, wow, you know, you probably have more earning potential than that, right? So, um, so I started working with her, and and the backstory is like when we get together, you know, she's behind not only on like credit card debts that have defaulted, but she's behind on utilities. Her electric's about to be shut off. Um, she's behind on her her cell phone bill. She mm-hmm. might have been behind on her car payment. It's been a little a little while, so I don't remember exactly, but there was definitely three or four different bills that she was behind on in addition to having charge off bad debts that had gone into collections for credit cards and whatnot. What amazed me most about this woman again is her discipline. So the reason she was kind of in the situation she was in is it was pretty simple. It was, she didn't have any real education around how to manage her money. Well, so she was trying to keep up on the credit card payments but that was causing her to get behind on the utilities. And it just was kind of a, a mess. So we start working together, you know, offer her a little bit of structure around priority, you know, prioritizing her expenses. Let's make sure that the light bill gets paid before we try to pay an old debt credit card, that sort of thing. But what I noticed is once she had the information, once we talked through where those dollars should go and where they're best used, all of a sudden, Well, not all of a sudden. She had the discipline to just go and execute, which then turned Mm -hmm. into an all of a sudden. All of a sudden, there was a surplus. All of a sudden, there was money to get caught up on those past bills. All of a sudden, there was extra money to establish her peace of mind fund. All of a sudden, there was money to pay off some of those bad debts. And some of those bad debts, we let, you know, sleeping dogs lie and we just made uh, uh, an informed decision that you know, it, it was six years old. And after seven years, the year, the, the statute of limitations was going to be up. So why, you know, why focus on something so old when you had plenty of things, like she had a car that she needed to try to keep a hold of and those sorts of things. So all of a sudden her situation changed in the period of like three months. In three months, we got her all cleaned up and back on track with her bills. We got her uh, some money in a peace of mind fund, and then she needed to take, needed or wanted to take some modest trips. She was like in the Detroit, Michigan area. She wanted to like travel to Ohio. She was going to do that by car. And so we cash flowed very modest trips even because she had incredible discipline. Wow. I love hearing stories like this, Nino, that that people really, they know that they want change. They've kind of made that decision, but they've also really committed to that change, right? They've committed to um, looking at their habits, right? And putting those habits that into place. And then that really forms the discipline that they need, right? To make it through 
any new situation that's going to come up for them financially, right? Because it's more than just what they're learning right now. When you put these habits and discipline in place and it's really ingrained in you, think about now how anything can probably come her way and she's going to be better equipped to get through it and to handle it. That's right. I love it. That's right. All that time spent kind of building up those those habits um, and, and just even imparting an education that she didn't otherwise have. So now it's, I have the knowledge, but I also have the skill and the ability to execute on that knowledge. And so um, when, when we stopped working together, she was in school for her master's degree, finishing that up so that she could um, increase her earning power. And, you know, it's got me thinking that maybe I should check in with her now and just see like, mm. what, do, what do things look like nowadays, all these years later? Yeah, that's awesome. That's well, I I tend to keep in touch with a lot of my clients, but this one that um I'm going to share a story of kind of similar in in some areas. Um I have not talked with her for a while, so I think you've inspired me to reach out directly to her and kind of see how she's doing. But, you know, Nino, um I worked with a younger um woman, um three children from the ages of 10 to 1 and was in a relationship that wasn't really good, right? And so she was really kind of looking, um, they were not married, but knew that she wanted to to move on. And um, she came to me, she was a small business owner, but making about $2,500 a month income. Well, mm -hmm. for a single mom of three children, Again, that's not a lot of money. That's not a lot of money for one person, but now you're, you, you know, four mouths to feed here, right? At $2,500 a month. And so, and being a new business owner. And so, um, part of, you know, and I don't want to say that she was young, that she didn't have, you know, the knowledge, but, you know, she had her kids a little bit younger, right? And hadn't learned a whole lot of money skills from, you know, her parents and, and didn't have a whole lot of, involvement in the finances in between her and her boyfriend. And so she really was looking for like skills. That's why she came to me in the first place is, you know, is skills, you know, how do I manage this money, Sarah? How do I feel good about being on my own? How do I make sure that my kids are really taken care of? Right. And, um, it just, so that's how it started. Right. And so we started looking at the skills. Okay. What income are you making? Right. And then we separated business and, and personal. I'm not going to get mm -hmm. into a whole lot of that right now, but really it was about coming up with a plan for her, you know, of how do you use your money the most effective way, right? What's important to you? What do we need to cover first? As you said, you know, kind of those priorities, those essentials in life. And, you know, she just started chopping away at it. You know, this is not something that changes instantly, right? These are habits. These are new ways of thinking. These are new skills that people are building. And, and she definitely built some new skills that when she started putting together a money plan, she started recognizing, wow, I do have a little bit extra to put into my peace of mind fund because she didn't have one of those, you know, and, mm. and it, it didn't make her feel real good knowing that she had three kids and didn't have a, a peace of mind fund available, right? If you've got children, any of our listeners know sometimes, you know, I'm going to knock on wood, but, you know, things happen with kids that are very unexpected. And so um, within six months time, you know, she was able to 
put in $1,500 into her peace of mind fund. And she also was able to eliminate $6,400 worth of debt. Now, you're going to ask me, well, if she's only making $2,500 a month, Sarah, how do you eliminate $6,400 in debt? Well, there's a lot of ways. She mm -hmm. sold some stuff that she wasn't using anymore, right? She got rid of um, some of the things that um, she traded her car in, right? Mm -hmm. So one that she had a loan on, she traded her gar car in for something that was more affordable, right? That, that fit her payments. She wasn't able to pay cash for it, but she did a little swap with the vehicles. Um, and she worked her tail off. You know, I want to put this out there that sometimes you just need to work your tail off to make a difference and to make a change. And so we talked a lot about, you know, what does advertising her business look like? You know, how as a new business owner, you know, there's some legwork that, um, not necessarily going to cost you money, but it's going to cost you some time. And so mm -hmm. I helped her go through some strategies for that, which then increases, right, her clientele, which then increases her income. And so, um, you know, I love hearing stories about, you know, people that, that I consider, you know, lower income earners and just the changes that they make because they've got the drive to do it because they yeah. understand that I am really committed to making a change in my life. Whether you learned it in the, you know, from your parents, or you learned what you know in school, whatever it is, if it's not where you really want to be, you've got choices. There's education. There, there are ways to do things differently to get you to a spot that you want to be in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, um, I've taken on, uh, two younger clients, uh, pretty recently. And uh, of course, because they're younger and they're just out of high school, or high school, my goodness. The brain is not firing on all uh, cylinders yet. They just graduated from college. So, you know, they're in some entry level positions. You know, yes, they might be making like $22 an hour, which if they were getting full time hours would be something like maybe $40,000 a year. And for somebody who's single, that might that sounds better than 25. But, uh, you know, it's part time work. And so it still kind of comes out to maybe twenty five, thirty thousand $30,000 a year. Um, and uh, for one, she has the ability uh, right now to stay at home with mom and dad. And, you know, it's interesting through coaching younger people through their finances, I have a newfound empathy for people in their 20s being at home with their parents. I think on a on an episode we did not too long ago, we talked about even like the cultural differences of like mm -hmm. Latina families where it's it's expected that they're going to stay home. The kids are going to stay home until they get married. I'm now like coaching other clients who have kids that age. Like you might want to keep them home. You, If you really want to talk about generational wealth building, let me show you some things that you could be doing with your children. And so this, this particular uh, young lady has the ability to be home with mom and dad. Um, right now as, as she's not making a ton of money. But what it has also allowed her to do is learn at a younger age, in her mid-20s, all the financial things that you and I wish we would have done in <laughs> our mid-20s. So I think I shared on a recent episode, but because we're sharing client stories, I'll share it again here. Just a few weeks ago, she made the decision that she is going to lock in 15% into her 401k. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. And she's going to lock in that percentage now so that as her hours increase, so will her contributions. And when her pay increases, so will her contributions. And when she goes from this job to the next job, she'll already have it in mind that I just contribute 15% instead of a specific dollar amount. And so, you know, I, I look at, again, the discipline and just the drive that you were talking about that when when younger people have an opportunity to kind of start making money for the first time, it might not be a lot, but if they can learn the right things early enough and kind of avoid some of the other traps like buying a car that they can't really afford or don't necessarily need or living on their own when they don't necessarily have to or whatever the case may be. Um, but seeing that and, 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 and working with somebody who has that drive. Um, I just happened to work with a young man in the same age bracket with the same mindset. Like his goal this year is I want to fully fund my Roth IRA. Like that's his financial goal. Mm -hmm. And we're going to make that happen as he takes care of other responsibilities, but get them while they're young, um, get them while they're not making a ton of money so that when they are making more money, they already have you know, that, that knowledge and those habits established that they can, you know, apply them to whatever their income is. Mm -hmm. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I do want to say that even if you're maybe a high earner, right? Maybe you're a little, you're a few years later on in life, right? And maybe you're making a decent income. It is not too late either, right? Because mm -hmm. we can learn new things at any age. Um, I am right. in my early to mid 40s. I'm going to actually say that out into the world. A lot of people don't. Um, but I'm going to not early to mid. I'll just say early to mid. Um, but it's never too late to learn new things, right? And to learn new mm -hmm. skills with your money and to work on that. You know, I, I focus a lot on money mindset, you know, so how do we feel about money and, and what have we been using that's held us back? And more often than not, it's not the skills necessarily, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's some other things that we've picked up, but skills are such an important piece of it. And, you know, Nino, I'm reminded of, um, a gentleman that I worked with, he, a uh, single dad, but I would consider him a high earner. He's got a net worth of over a million dollars and he, his business, um, last year, um, revenue was over a million dollars in revenue in his business. And when I met him nine months earlier, he was getting ready to shut his business down. Oh, wow. So wasn't making money, right? Or he wasn't making money. And as a business owner, the business has to make money not only for the business, but also for our personal lives as well. Many of us rely on our business income, you know, to support us in our personal finance. and. And he was just so frustrated, you know, had this business for many years and um, just like, I don't know what's going on, Sarah. I can't, you know, things are not going well. Well, Nino, part of it was a mindset. You know, he had, he had gotten himself so burnt out because what was happening was, is he didn't have his pricing right. And I don't, again, won't go into a ton of details, but he didn't have his pricing right. And he didn't have some of the mechanics of his business figured out that, yeah, it was very overwhelming because the business was not thriving, which then meant his personal life was not thriving either. And he mm. didn't feel like he could really do the things that he wanted to do, like contribute to his retirement, 
as a business owner, you know, we don't, um, we don't have an employer, you know, matching 401ks. Right. And, and, um, and so I call in some more discipline in this area as a business owner to be thinking about these things and to be contributing to these other areas as well. And he just wasn't able to, or didn't feel like he was able to. Um, and you know, his kids were really heavily on his mind, you know, when getting ready to be 16 and a new driver. Um, and you know, so we, we just worked through a lot of the mechanics stuff, but really about digging deep to figure out, okay, what's really holding you back? What's going on? And again, it was that burnout, you know, from working so hard in a business that wasn't actually profitable. And Mm. so what I love about this story is that he was getting ready to shut down a business. And within nine months, within nine months, we were able to turn that around, not only for the business, but for him. And he ended up working less hours, more time with his kids, Mm. right? Made some tough decisions along the way, right? But Ended the year with $1.1 million in revenue in his business. Now, that's that's not all profit for anybody that's going to come back at me. Don't come back at me. I know that that's not all profit, but he was actually profitable, right? We made some adjustments with his own personal life that increased his net worth, right? He made some tough decisions, moved some stuff around, and was able to contribute to his retirement accounts again and into some college funds for his kids, because that's what, you know, was really important. And he didn't didn't feel like he could do that. Guys, when you, this is a, I would consider again, a high earner, right? Here's your everyday millionaire, still looking for some guidance and feeling like he wasn't able to do the things that he wanted to do. So Nino, to your point in the beginning, it doesn't matter if you make $10,000 a year or a million dollars a year, (laughs) right? Right that there are some points here we all can use and it's okay to ask for the guidance. It's okay to reach out and ask for the help um, no matter where you're at in your money journey. Yeah. I have a special place in my heart for small business owners, you know, being that uh, I own a small business with a couple of partners. Um, I, I have a special place in my heart for them. You know, whether it's a real estate agent, um, whether it's a independent contractor. I was working with a gentleman and his family in uh, in South Florida. Uh, he owned his own little um, construction company. And when I met with him, um, the the story was I just siphoned from the business when I need to pay personal bills. Right. And so I have a small, I have a special place in my heart for small business owners because so often at first everything's so commingled, right? Mm -hmm. Like the money that's coming into the business and, and the money that's being used to pay personal expenses and all that stuff. And so we spent some time just kind of cleaning that up a bit and getting things separated and, and establishing some boundaries because so often I feel like small business owners don't understand that, um, they too can have a consistent and predictable income, just like a W-2 employee who works for mm-hmm. a big corporation. It takes a little bit of, uh, you know, stepping back and seeing the big picture to kind of see it, but oftentimes. And so we worked on, you know, the business has its business revenue, its income. The business has its 
has its expenses. And one of its biggest expenses is your salary, right? We got to pay you some money out of this business because the business was making plenty of money to pay him. It was just, it was inconsistent because it's contract work, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, for a few months, it's, oh, lots of money coming in. Then there might be a month or two where there isn't any work or whatever the case may be. So it's all like, well, the business brought in enough for me to take 25 grand out of it this month. Okay, but do you need 25 grand this month? Or Mm -hmm. can we look at, let's set your business up in a way that that $25,000 is retained earnings and it pays you consistently every month enough to to cover your your personal expenses. So we, we took some time. Uh, really just kind of separating those things out, establishing that consistent and predictable income and getting to a point where um, he could just say, oh, okay, like I'm paying myself, let's say $5,000 a month. So $5,000 a month is my monthly income from that business. My wife is also working. So her income is what it is. And together, you know, the, the these two incomes take care of our personal um expenses. And so, um, you know, together they were, they were pulling in almost $10,000 a month. Again, I call that a high income earner. That's over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, but there was a lot of chaos at first and, <laughs> and we worked through that chaos and we were able to smooth it out. And, and all of a sudden a small business owner who has feast and famine months had a really consistent and predictable income throughout the year. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I want to kind of highlight the word chaos there for a second, because, Mm. you know, I know you've, you experienced this with a lot of your clients, you know, when they first come to you, but I have as well. And I think that that's a good word to describe how so many people feel. Finances feel very chaotic, right? Like, what do I do? How do I do this? When is my money really coming in? When are my bills due? I've got so much more. And, and it feels like, I think that chaos leads to then overwhelm and, and I just love Nino that we're able to help clients work through that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And doesn't take away everything, but it greatly reduces it. Right. And when I can say in probably any area of my life that once I reduce the stress in that certain area, I'm able to see things a little bit differently. I'm not focused on just the negative. I'm not focused on just the stressful situation. I can really take a look and say, okay, how am I going to handle this now? Right. And you look at it a little bit more rationally. And so, um, I just wanted to pull out that the word chaos for a second, because boy, I've lived in a very chaotic financial time, you know, in, in Mm -hmm. different seasons for many years and to have that chaos gone, gosh, darn, does it feel good? Yeah. Let me, let me just highlight too, that like not every, not every client story has like a happy ending per se, you know, as you're talking about the chaos and like clients coming like 99 times out of a hundred, when I work with a client, it's cause they want to seriously make some changes and mm-hmm. I, I can offer some radical ideas and they're like, that's a radical idea, but I'm going to give it a shot because whatever <laughs> I'm doing ain't working. Right. <laughs> But I remember also working with a quite a high income earner, him and his wife, the two of them probably pulling in about $200,000 a year together. And so there was no lack of 
money. They had plenty of resource. As much as I tried to work with him, there mm. just was a lack of discipline. There was a lack of want to. It was, I would offer certain advice and suggestions based off of his situation. Like, hey, you, you have this, this, and this going on. I would, I would say that this is probably your priority because if not, here are the consequences. And he's all like, yeah, but I'm going to do this thing instead. And eventually I had to just kind of say, us working together isn't working out, right? But it goes back to this idea that it doesn't matter how much money you make. Mm -hmm. This gentleman reached out to me because he felt like he was broke. And there is a very big difference between being poor and being broke. People making $200,000 a year can be broke if they're not managing what they have effectively. Um, and so, like, I'll bring this a little bit closer to home without giving too, too much of the detail. But this particular situation, I thought the priority should be getting caught up on past um, condo association dues. Because the condo association could put a lien against his condo and then, like, try to evict him and do other things. And, and, and again, there were plenty of resources. But vacations, a new car, other things were taking priority over. But these are your condo association dues. Like, mm -hmm. and, and so there was money to do it. He didn't want to do it. That's fine. Whatever. Um, but it goes back to like that idea that it's discipline. And and he was broke because of the decisions he was making. He certainly wasn't poor. Um, I guess I bring that up because, again, I go back to some of our low income earning clients. And somebody might say, wow, they're poor, air quotes, poor. Mm -hmm. But they had tremendous discipline. And they were able to completely turn their financial situation around. So, um, yeah, not unfortunately, not every story is a success story, but um, it's not from a lack of trying. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> I've got not a lot, but some of those as well, you know, where people thought they were ready, but when they really saw what it was going to take, you know, to mm -hmm. really turn things around. And when they learned, hey, this isn't a magic, you know, nothing magical is necessarily going to just pop in. There's no magic fairy that comes in overnight and cleans it all up for you. And you get up the next day and everything's great. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I've had a couple of clients and, and they've reached out later and said, Sarah, I just, it turns out I wasn't ready. Like I mm -hmm. just wasn't ready to make. So, and, you know, I think this comes back to, you know, there's probably several versions of this quote that, that are out there, but you know, you've got the pain of change or the pain of discipline, right? You get to choose the pain that you go through and, or pain of, I said that wrong, the pain of staying the same or the, the pain of change, right? And so you can either stay in your same situation and it's, it's painful and you don't like it, or you can go through the pain of changing it right? Knowing that there's something good on the other side, knowing that that pain is going to last a lot shorter period of time. And some people aren't ready for it. And you know yeah. what? That's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I've heard it said that when the fear of change is less than the fear of staying the same, 
that's when somebody will finally move. Mm. So when you finally get to a point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's when you'll finally, then the, the fear of making the change is less than the fear of, man, if I just continue doing this, this is what's going to end up happening. I don't like that. I need to change something. Mm. Yeah. It's, and I think we all get there in our own time. Yes. Whatever it might be, it might not always be with money, but there's other areas, you know, that, that we kind of have to hit our rock bottom, so to speak, whatever that looks like for us. That's right. Well, can I switch back to like one of, one of my favorite types of clients? So like I have a special place in my heart for the, the small business owner, because like I said, I'm him, he is I, and I, but one of my favorite types of clients to work with, and I've had a couple of different couples like this, is the very modest, they don't know it themselves, millionaire next door. Hmm. These are some of my favorite. These are people who have done well for themselves, but they they don't even really necessarily realize it until you point it out to them. So there's a couple I work with and uh, they're, they're both high income earners. So together they're pulling somewhere between 150 dollars and $200,000 a year. So, okay, you got a good income, but just because you're a high income earner doesn't necessarily mean that you have other assets or resources or anything. And so it certainly doesn't make you a millionaire. What makes you a millionaire is net worth, the total of all of my assets minus the total of all of my liabilities gets me my net worth, right? So I have this couple, they are so modest. And I'm like, I have to remind them. I'm like, you do, you guys realize you're millionaires, right? And they're like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, well, when you take your assets, like a house, let's say, that's valued at 1.1 million, but you owe $400,000 on it. Okay, that's, help me do my math real quick. That's- uh, 600, six, little over 600,000. Right, five hundred thousand. Right, for no, you're right. Sorry, <laughs> like, the finance maybe guy. Maybe my math who, is wrong. <laughs> the finance guy who can do math in his head really quickly. Um. Anyway, actually, yes. So eleven minus four would be seven. Right, one point one eleven minus mm -hmm. four. All right, so seven hundred thousand dollars. When you have another. 600 plus thousand dollars in one 401k and $300,000 in another 401k. So now you take the seven and you add the six and you add the three and you get yourself to 16 or 1.6. I'm like, see, you got like your assets mm -hmm. minus your liability, the one liability, their mortgage. It, you have, you have a net worth of over a million dollars. And they're like, no. And I'm like, I'm showing you the math. I might not be able to do the math in my head, but I can definitely <laughs> do it in an Excel spreadsheet. And it's right. I'm like, right. I'm showing you. And it's, it's so fun because I guess the reason why I like it so much or, or like why it makes me smile is here are people who just kind of had done some things right. When we, when we first met, it wasn't that their life was a complete mess, but at the time, they felt like they were carrying way too much consumer debt. Um, they, they had the mortgage on the house and, it, and they felt they felt broke. They felt like the other guy who was him and his wife were making. They felt like they were broke. 
And it's just because they didn't have a plan. And as we established a plan and as we allocated funds properly, you know, this was a couple that if I said, hey, I think the priority's over here, they're like, yeah, we agree. The priority's over there. Let's do that. And so they executed against that priority and they were able to clean up a lot of just little messes. They had like little messes all about and they cleaned them up and we got everything in line. And, and now they're, they're the millionaire. They are literally the millionaire next door. They are people who live in a house that they originally purchased for something like $400,000. They still owe 400 because refinancing and taking money out or whatever, but that's not the Mm -hmm. point. The point is the property is now worth Mm 1.1. They owe four because they live well under their means. They live very close to work so that they can commute without a vehicle if they want to ride a bike, take a walk, do whatever. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's just fun. It's just Mm -hmm. fun to see people clean up those little messes, get everything in order, announce to them that they're millionaires. And they're like, no, we're not. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you are. (laughs) Right. Right. I love it. I love it. There's, there's so many good stories that even if it doesn't fully resonate, you know, you know, for any of the listeners out there, there's bits and pieces of every one of these stories that you could really pull out and use in your own life. Right. And say, you know what, that actually sounds a little bit like me or boy, I wonder what is my net worth or what is my business actually making or how, you know, there's, so there's bits and pieces of all of these stories that I think that we can pull out and, and apply to our own lives and start to ask questions. Right. And, um, I think that that's powerful when we start to ask questions of our own life and say, what do I really want to be different? Right. Kind of been doing this, kind of been stuck in my ways for a while, but listening to these other stories, I hope that listeners are really able to pull out some things and start to say, you know what, maybe I can do something different. Maybe I thought I couldn't because I don't make enough or maybe, and actually, you know, I'd like to share a quick story if I may, because I think it might resonate with some more people. Um, because these are kind of, and I'm going to use the kind of the air quotes, the middle of the road people, right? Um, I worked with a, a, a couple family of six. So when I met them, they had four kids under the age of six. Oh, wow. Four children under the age of six. Like, can I just say, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to, I mean, if you, if you do it, my head, you know, I, you're amazing. You're amazing. Anybody that could do that, I'm just going to say, but they were overdrafting a lot in their account almost every month, lots Mm -hmm. of medical expenses, um, which really, you know, that's not really any fault of their own medical expenses happen, especially with children. Right. And Mm -hmm. and Nina, we've done an episode on medical expenses. If anybody's listening, you know, go back and listen to that. You'll, you'll hear how we feel about that. But So this wasn't necessarily anything that they did, um, you know, poor choice wise. It's just medical expenses really added up. They did have a lot of other consumer debt. You know, things kind of just started to pile on and then they started overdrafting in their account. It felt like this cycle. They didn't know how to get out of that overdraft cycle and how to really make a change. And I will tell you, you know, in 13 months, um, they made about $5,000 a month. In 13 months, they got rid of $158,768 worth of debt. 
Wow. Almost $159,000 worth of debt in 13 months. Wow. Absolutely incredible. It was incredible to witness. It was incredible to be a part of that journey and, and that story for them. And there's so much more that happened after that. But in that time, um, we're talking medical debt. We're talking vehicle debt. We're talking um, some credit cards. You know, they made some really tough decisions. And this is what I want to put out there, that they made some really tough decisions to get to a better place for a short period of time, right? Mm -hmm. So then, um, and I want to be real clear that you hear me, right? They made some really tough decisions for right now that's going to lead yep. them to something so much better for the long term, right? But this was yep. a tough decision for for a short period of time. They got rid of, they had a, a camper, you know, a fifth wheel. They got rid of it. They decided, you know what? We like it. We love to take our trips, but that's not as important to us right now. It's winter time. We're not using it in winter time. Mm. So they chose to sell it. They chose to get rid of a vehicle, you know, and kind of use their, you know, their jalopy, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. For getting back and forth to work. She picked up some extra work. Um, they negotiated a lot of their bills, right? Mm. That's something that we don't talk a lot about, but they negotiated a lot of their medical bills. Part of it was breaking it down so it didn't feel so overwhelming. So it wasn't looking at the entire picture all at once. It's lit yep. piece by piece. And what do we handle first? You know, what's what's the 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 priority right now? And I mean, that doesn't even include how much they were able to put into all four kids' 529 plans you know, college mm. savings accounts that doesn't include their um, peace of mind fund that they were able to build. You know, I had talked to them about five months after that. So after um, 18 months, you know, just a year and a half, they were able to pay over $50,000 for a new pickup because they wow. had saved, they had built a new barn on their place. They had remodeled their kitchen. They had taken trips with their kids. Like I want all of the listeners to hear that these are, I'm calling the middle of the road. A lot of, this is $60,000 a year, guys, you yeah. know, $60,000 a year. This is, this is middle-class America, right? Mm -hmm. You can make changes. Part of it, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. Yeah. And you can ask them, right now, if they regretted any of those decisions. And I guarantee you, they're going to say absolutely not. Because now what they've been able to accomplish after making those hard decisions is way more gratifying and yeah. is way more special than, than what they feel like they might've lost by having to make those choices. Right. And so, yeah, you might have to get rid of some stuff. I'll tell you the, the release of that, the getting rid of some of that stuff to get to a much better place. Boy, I tell you, it's something that that you will never forget and you will never regret doing. Yeah. And I don't use the word never a lot, but I'm pretty <laughs> confident I'm going to use it here. Right. No, you you know, your story just reminds me of just so many different things. I've, you know, I've worked with uh, couples who had investment properties that they decided they were going to get rid of the, the investment property because it just wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't gelling with their, their situation at that time. I remember a couple, they were on the verge of having their first child and they maybe 
bought a little too much house, but then it appreciated. So they decided, hey, let's sell the house. Let's pay off all the debt. Let's just kind of start over. We're going to rent for a little while. We're going to save up 25% to put down on a house. Let's do it the right way. So they kind of hit the reset button. But these were not easy decisions. In my own uh, story, when I uh, got laid off in 2012, and it was enough of a scare that I realized I needed to do something different with my money. I did not like not having you know, some, that peace of mind fund, having no idea what was going to happen next. Um, we sold a second car that we had and we decided as a family, we're going to operate with one car. Not only was it only one car, I convinced, I don't know how it would never happen today. I don't think, um, I convinced my wife, we were going to share a cell phone. We went down to (laughs) one cell phone um, she was just telling that story to somebody the other day. She's like, I don't know how he convinced me to do it, but we were sharing a cell phone. I was like, well, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. I mean, I got a Google voice number, so I was able to give out a different phone number. And then when the phone rang for that number, it, it showed. So it's like, we knew it was for me. And then we knew the other ones were for her. It was wild. Right. But none of these decisions are necessarily easy or the decision that you want to make in the time. But let me bring you back to what you said, and that is it's for a season. It's just mm-hmm. for a small, it might be for a couple of months, it might be for a year, it might be for two years. You know, the the couple that sold their house and decided they were just gonna like kind of hit the reset button, pay off all their debt and rent for they rent for like 18 months, two years, got back into the housing market, right? So um these things are not lifelong decisions, mm-hmm. they are a decision to better your situation today. And it's a decision that you have to kind of live with for a little while. And then everything kind of gets cleaned up and everything is kind of good again. And now you've done it the right way so that when you want that second cell phone and that second car and you want to get direct TV again, you can do those things because you, you don't have a mountain of consumer debt weighing you down any longer that you're like, oh, I freed up my income and now I can I can do some things that I want to again. Mm. I love that. I love that. And, you know, can I say, can I put out, you know, we've talked about maybe some tough decisions, but can I throw out an easy decision for people to make right now? Oh, please. Yeah. Go to the show notes and schedule a free discovery session with us. <laughs> That's an easy decision, right? Like not every decision has to be hard. Here's an easy one for you. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That is a super simple one. I like that. That is a a good little plug there. Just schedule some time with Sarah or myself and and start your own journey. Again, whether you're making $10,000 a year or $100,000 a year, start your journey with a financial coach today. Why not? So I think that's a really good spot to kind of wrap up. I mean, I have so many other client stories that I could share, but maybe we do another episode about client stories mm-hmm. in the future. Um, but I, I hope that our conversation today helped our listeners realize that there is a wide spectrum of the type of people we work with, the type of situations they find themselves in, and a path to success for each of them. And that path for each person isn't exactly the same, but each of them had a path to success, except the ones who chose for themselves, they didn't want to walk the path. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. 
All right. Well, then that's where we're going to end today's conversation. And we will continue the conversation as we always do next time. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits podcast brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our hosts by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.